So maybe you're a crazy person like me who has over 400 Marines and you want to name them all. Or maybe you love creating new characters for D&D. Or maybe you just really like learning the meaning and origins behind some of your favorite nerdy character names from pop culture. Well then, it sounds like you need Naming Your Little Geek by Scott Root. This is an incredibly fun and easy read. It taught me not only is Ulrich the name of a war god, but also a Sith master. It also comes with one more added benefit. It's a great resource for naming your babies. Follow the link in the description below and pick up your copy of Naming Your Little Geek today. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going tonight, man? I... I don't know. I'm kind of weird right now. I mean, I'm weird all the time, but I'm feeling weird. Like, I... My homework has been going kind of slow. I hit this weird kind of point where I had to put out an email to the frickin' course people, and they have to wait for them to get back to me. I don't have work tomorrow, so I can take my girlfriend to medical stuff. And, and I don't know, I'm feeling odd. But I will say that I watched a couple movies last night that are relevant to the conversation we're going to have, so I'll talk about them later. But, you know, uh, it put me in kind of a good mood-ish. And, I don't know, I'm rambling. That's the mood I'm in right now. How are you feeling? <laughs> Oddly enough, I'm in kind of the same space. So, depending on when this releases, I am still out of work on an injury. Oh, and I'm trying to deal with the utter incompetence that comes along with getting your job to pay you or let you see a doctor when you're injured. Ah, I'm sorry, man. Eh, I'm not in that much pain. It's just I've been I haven't been able to do anything, and I don't do well when I don't have my structure. Ah. Oh, I'm a, very stru- I'm a very structured individual. By the way, just because I, I apparently, according to Ulrich, I said something along these lines in a previous recording, but I want to put it for clear in this recording, I have no issues with Gargoyles, the, the cartoon. I think it's great. I just have no interest in rewatching it. Is that clear? That's in, way, that's in the way back early episodes. I know it happened. I don't remember how it came up, but anyways... Anyway, I don't, I don't know what I said, but my as of my feelings right now, I think Gargoyles is great. I just have no interest in revisiting it. So I love a random Discord thing made you remember or feel the need to correct that stance. I guess. I I mean, I do that every now and then. Like, I was recently talking with my girlfriend about um, certain facial capture stuff in a video game that I'll talk about here in a bit. And I had told her that one of the faces was like a composite face. And the next day I was like... That feels wrong. And so I just couldn't stop myself. I have to Google this. I have to find the name of the person who actually was the facial capture. And I have to send it to her because even though she doesn't really care, I don't feel good giving people incorrect information. So, Okay, this is what I can kind of relate to. And it's not incorrect information. It's that if I have a thought or, you know, something, I have to resolve it. Yeah, no, I'm definitely. Yeah. Yeah, but anyways, I've been at home for going on two weeks now. And I'm slowly going crazy (laughs) and spending way too much time playing Mountain Blade Bannerlords because there's literally nothing else I can do, and I love and hate that game. Well, as long as it keeps you out of the cloning lab. Listen, we achieved perfection with Waxel, and Waxel 2.0 is still a work in progress. Anyway, before we get into the conversation, which I'm very much looking forward to, despite my... Honestly, I'm having a feeling like I don't really want to record tonight. But I always love talking with my brother, and I love the topic I we're gonna have. I need to occupy my brain. So, so like I'm gonna try. I'm gonna hopefully get into a good place. It's just gonna take me a bit to rev up. But before we get to that, we got something else we gotta do, bro. Our wonderful, wonderful patrons—the people that keep us here week to week 
and continue to give me something to work towards. They are our wonderful, wonderful patrons. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Dona Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson Nell, Scott Rubin, Derek Kelly, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, get yourself access to some extra content, head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode is a dollar a month, and that guarantees you early access to all of our content. Excellent. Now, our topic today, normally I'd be like, hey, Lork, what are we talking about today? But guess what? We're talking today about Spider-Man, and I'm a big fucking Spider-Man. I mean, we're both Spider-Man fans, but, like, Spider-Man is, like, is my, like, is, is my comic thing. Like, yep. I don't read comics, but I read Spider-Man comics. Like, I made an exception for that. Like, I, I engage with Spider-Man anything. Games cartoons, comics, the weird Japanese live-action stuff that I don't think is good, but I gave it a shot anyway. Like, I'll engage with Spider-Man anything. <laughs> so, Yeah, there's been a weird ripple effect ever since our fifth anniversary episode, and we've been on a superhero kick, and it keeps branching off in various directions, and this week, it's like Spider-Man villains. He's got a lot of them. Some are really good, it some is, are less so. Uh, generally speaking, from my understanding, and anyone who is a lot more in the current comic, you know, community can tell me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that Spider-Man's Rogues Galley always is in the top three discussion. Basically, it's accepted that Batman has the best, but Spider-Man's usually seen as having the second or third best, depending on how you define things like the Flash's Galley and Superman's Galley, but... Yeah, like, well, eventually we will have the discussion of Batman versus Spider-Man, which, honestly, since I have a coworker who's a mega Batman fan, we've been talking, and they have a lot more, from a narrative construct perspective, similarity than I had originally given them credit for. So Interesting. I was of the opinion that Spider-Man won that fight hands down. Oh, in a fight? But, yeah, absolutely. Well, no, I'm just talking, like, just in general. Like, you know, power-wise, yes. But then I made the list, that we made this list, and I'm like, like, oh, well, maybe I do need to actually compare and contrast with you. But anyways, we're doing the main ones, the big ones, the names you all know, and we're ranking them in the internet's favorite format of S2D tier. Which I don't think is something we've done before, and we don't have, like, Tier Maker in front of us or anything, which no, I know... it's 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 for YouTube and visual things, but you can follow along at home. Yeah, so I know this is maybe a little cliche, but you know what? Sometimes things are popular for a reason, and I like doing lists, and I like categorizing things, so we just pull up a list of Spider-Man villains. We, show, we got, uh, I think, 23 of them that are, like, quote-unquote the primary ones. I don't have lesser ones like the Tinkerer. Even though, sorry if you're a fan of the Tinkerer, but I'm just saying. I like the Tinkerer and I like the Mad Thinker, but yeah. Tarantula's not on here and that's okay. Yeah, point is that I just grabbed what is considered like the list of his quote-unquote major villains, and we're just going to go through them and touch on each and see what we think about them. And this list is, I don't know what order it was in, I, I think it might be appear by first appearance or... No, it no, looks it's... like first appearance. Yeah, so I think it's by first appearance. So, if that's the case, the first one we got on here is the Chameleon, who is one that I feel like I would not be surprised if most people who even like Spider-Man don't know who the Chameleon is. Chameleon's lame. Chameleon is, honestly, a worse version of Mysterio. Yes. Like, you can tell he's the first outing. He even has, like, a less cool design than Mysterio and just that blank face mask. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, a Chameleon, who's... Um, alter ego i've got written here let's see dmitry anatoly nikolaevich smirdyakov 
I didn't know that was his real name. So Okay, I, that's one Eastern European Spider-Man villain. Now again, I've read several comics with Chameleon in them. I've played a game that had Chameleon in it. I've seen Chameleon show up in other Marvel-related stuff. His general design is an outfit that doesn't stick in my brain and then a face that's just completely pale white and featureless because his thing is he's a he's a changeling. He just shapeshifts to look... He's like shittier mis- Mystique, kind of. I only know him because he's Spider-Man's first villain. <laughs> yeah. That's literally, I feel like, the most notable thing. But again, later on we get Mysterio who has a cooler design, a much cooler, like, quote-unquote power set, and at least a backstory that I remember. Whereas I don't know Chameleon's backstory... Like, at all. So, yeah. I've read Spider-Man number one several times, and if I guess he's in it. I didn't remember that he was in it, so... He's not what stands out to me in that, that comic, you know? Yeah, no. Easy D tier for me. Uh, I... Yeah. Sorry. Again, if you're a Chameleon fan, sorry, but I agree. He's a D tier villain. I, uh, I don't think gotta he... set the floor somewhere, and honestly, if the average person on the street doesn't know Chameleon... Yeah, I don't think he has the word i think he barely qualifies as a major villain and he's just mysterio eats his lunch in regards to everything i'm betting that there are some spider-man comics that do great things with chameleon because there's so many comics that even i was gonna say it's a numbers game yeah eventually even dear till yeah even dear d tier villains get a good story at some point but all in all d tier let's move on to the vulture now the vulture is a little complex for me and, here, and here's yeah. what I mean by that, because on paper, I feel like the Vulture should be a D-tier D, D guy. He he makes a wingsuit. He yeah. can fly. So what? But even before the MCU did what they did with him with Michael Keaton, which was really cool, the Vulture has been this, like, vessel for the comics to do kind of weird things with him. Like, he was the first villain, I remember, where he had a whole storyline about having cancer. His own power suit that he invented gave him cancer. And informed like how he was a villain afterwards. He also was one of the early villains I know to be like villain v villain because he fucking hates Oscorp and everything about Oscorp. So yeah, he's also interesting because they at one point they replaced him with a younger one because they thought it was bad that a teenage kid was beating up an old man. And the <laughs> fans said, "No, we like it that he beats up an old man." An old man with cancer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Adrian Toomes, real name by yeah. the way. Uh, and yeah, the only I, thing I have to say is his costume's kind of lame. Yes, but it lends itself to evolution, I think. And it does. It's a it's more like a concept costume. And yes, in its original incarnation, a uh, little shows its age is coming out in the sixties. Oh, all the old but, uh, Silver Age superhero comics look lame. I, I disagree. But, not all of them. We'll get to a few later on that I think hit the ball out of the park okay, immediately. Maybe there's people that hold, but no, Vulture just the green suit and the green wings. Yeah. So I I. Th- feel like i have to give vulture a solid b tier he's a good villain i like having him around he's got a simple power set he they do interesting things with him and he usually creates if not like super great stories at least stories that feel like they're taking the like you know robber who thinks he's a god concept to interesting places so i i'd almost put him c yeah i so somewhere in that category b to c like b minus c so he's in there i don't know We, we we've should have had a third person so we can average it. Fair. Well, I feel like this is more... We don't have to come up with... This is not a definitive list. It's just how we each feel. And I feel like most of them will be in a similar vibe. Like, I, I, it makes sense to me that I think I would rate Vulture a little higher than you. 
Uh, yeah. Because, again, I feel like I'm thinking of him in... he. When I mentioned earlier that any villain has some good story somewhere, Vulture, to me, is a great example of that, of a villain who I think was really basic and shitty, but I can remember like distinctly comic stories that do interesting things with him. I can't remember the chameleon ones, even if there are good ones, you know? Yeah, there is that. Plus, I will admit, I do like a flying villain for Spider-Man, because that really... The power sets is an interesting uh, versus. Yeah, and they usually come up with good ways to, to like, play with it. Like, how his suit actually functions in, like, an anti-gravity kind of way and what stuff he comes up with. So, I like Adrian Toomes. I like having Vulture around. I feel like he's a good... Him being the second major villain to show up, he showed up, it looks like, in uh, issue number two of The Amazing Spider-Man. He feels like he sets the bar for what Spider-Man villains are. Crazy science dude, invents some crazy tech, becomes evil. <laughs> also animal-themed. <laughs> also animal-themed. Yeah, he is, like, the standard. Not not the gold standard, just the standard. Like, you have to hit this bar to be a good Spider-Man villain, which is why I feel like B is appropriate. So. All right, let's do the next one of Doc Ock. Now, here's the thing about Doc Ock. I'm very complicated on. Yes, but here's the important thing about Doc Ock, and I'm going to steal wholesale from something that uh, Bob Chipman said. I don't remember even what video he said it in, but he was very right about this. Doc Ock, for a long time, was not interesting. At least not in a narrative way. He he looked kind of neat. His powers are very, quote-unquote, powers are unique. And he functioned really well for a comic of the week thing, because basically he was always just megalomaniac, I'm going to go rob a bank. But he wasn't interesting for a very long time. And, yeah. And then Sam Raimi's movie kind of completely shifted him. Not that there aren't stories with him that were interesting before that, but they were super rare. And the entire relationship of Doc Ock to Peter has almost since then, in comics and in cartoons and in games, completely changed because of Alfred Molina's performance. And that's, I feel like that's the only reason we get stories like the Superior Spider-Man, which... Okay, well, we gotta talk about Superior Spider-Man, because that is still very divisive in the community yes for anyone out there who doesn't know what superior spider-man is and i admit i i read through it only once and i was going really fast because i really just wanted to get the story kind of absorbed so i don't know the details necessarily but for for lack of a better term otto octavius doc ock like incepts his own consciousness into peter parker's body and takes over his body peter parker is still there but he's suppressed and once Doc Ock is in his body, he, because of his ego, instead of being like, I'm going to go be you know, a villain with Spider-Man's powers, he actually comes to the conclusion of, wow, you have all these abilities and you are a shitty superhero. With all my intelligence and your abilities, I can be a better superhero than you ever were. I'm going to be the superior Spider-Man. It, it goes in some places where they kind of renege on their own you know what they were going for because of some fan outcry but oh, i think the fan outcry was horrible yeah but i think again as a story contained it's a really interesting thing to go for and it makes sense for the egomaniac that doc ock is so yeah and i i don't know how i feel on it because it does that thing i really hate of they try and soft uh rehab a villain yeah and, you know Oh, he's done all this villainous stuff, but now that he has the opportunity to be a hero, he's going to be a hero, but he sucks at it because he's still got these things. It's like, eh. I want to be clear. I, I'm not saying that I think Superior Spider-Man is like a great Spider-Man story thing. I just think it's interesting. I think he was the right choice for that kind of thing, even though there's another hero 
who did it or sorry there's another villain who did it better which we'll get to later yeah i don't <laughs> so, i don't hate superior spider-man i just don't love it and doc ock he looks cool except for the you know bowl cut that was here's but... here, here's what i think i think when doc ock is at his best he hits s tier easy but i feel like that doesn't happen often enough yeah so, like, I love him as the master planner, for instance, when he's usually, when he's like planning behind the Sinister Six, or when he's quote unquote working with some other villain and very obviously manipulating them. Like, he, he can be really good at that. But again, a lot of times, even now, it feels like it's just a, more of a visual thing and not necessarily anything interesting to do with him. It's been a lot better since Spider-Man Two. I I feel like I want I have to give him an A because Spider-Man's when he's one of his. I was going to bring him down to a B. Yeah, he's one, like, of, he's one of Spider-Man's arch nemesis, and he reaches S-tier a lot, but I feel like he's held back by his origins and how how he gets used, you know, in a lot of places, so. Yeah, that, that's that's fair. Like I said, I don't, I like him, but I hate him at the same time. Like, yeah. if I'm making a top five list, he's not my top five. Yeah, he's not my personal top five, certainly. He's not interesting enough to me overall. He, like, in he, the terms of power, in terms of design, in yeah. terms of story. Overall, I agree with you. Again, there are certain individual instances, Spider-Man 2 and PlayStation 4 Spider-Man are two instances where he becomes S-tier for various reasons. But those are, that's not the rule as it is for him. So I, I agree. So anyway, so we're going to say B to A, B to A-tier, somewhere in there. Next is... The Sandman, also known as Flint Marco. There's apparently a version that's William Baker. Uh, I Flint Marco, I feel like, is the... I only know Flint Marco. I don't know anybody else. I'm seeing on the list here William Baker. I've never heard of... Oh, I, actually, no. I have vague recollections of reading about William Baker. I probably read comics with him, but Flint Marco is, like, so took over the, the, the role that... Anyway, not the point. Looks like Sandman first appeared in issue number four, so these are pretty early. And Sandman is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. One, I think he's an example, at least Flint Marco, I have to double check William Baker's, I'll, I'll Google it here in a sec, but Flint Marco's Sandman is one of those designs that is so perfect to me, like in its simplicity, is yep. just a dude in the green stripe outfit. And, he's a goon. <laughs> yeah. But he's a super-powered goon with really cool powers. Yeah, and he just looks kind of perfect yeah. at it. Like so no notes. Yeah, exactly. The image is so striking, and they always—he's basically utilized as like an evil Green Lantern doing crazy stuff with his sand. So he's yeah, he's visually interesting. He's simple, easy to use. He slots into a lot of places. He's always a problem for Spider-Man because his power set is honestly kind of crazy. Yeah. So he's always a good threat. The only downside to him is because he is a goon, he basically never gets to lead a story. Yeah, but I'd argue that his power set and everything, he can lead an issue. Like, if Sandman's the villain of that issue, you're like, oh, cool. But he can also slot in as a henchman. So he holds double duty, honestly. And again, with the power set being what it is, it, like, it feels like a threat on its own. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I feel like he's he's so interesting because he is that weird middle ground between like super villain and super goon, right? Yeah. Like, we'll talk about Rhino later, but Rhino is more so, like, the super goon. Sandman kind of tips over into supervillain territory. So. Yeah, I really like Sandman. 
just again the power set is cool and when you think about that suit and how spider-man will forever have sand in there yeah yeah <laughs> he's he's just he gets you on a whole other level and also i i know this is superficial but sandman just always looks he makes comics and games and movies and stuff that are beautiful to look at because he creates these crazy big sandstorms and there's always these gorgeous tableaus that they make. That's the thing. He power scales really well. Absolutely. Yeah. So because of that, I feel like I want to give him a solid A just he's because – He's not quite strong enough to tip into S, but definitely A. Yeah, I, I would say he's like A minus personally, but I wouldn't even go so long as B. Just because I feel like he's the perfect, he is the perfect example of regular dude who thinks in a regular way, gets godly powers, and then has to deal with that. And yep. basically doesn't change mentally about it. So. Yeah, no, he's still just a dude. Plus you can lean into some, like they did Spider-Man 3. He's the best part of Spider-Man 3. Absolutely. And I went back and re- recently rewatched Spider-Man 3, and I will defend that movie now because I think it's a, a lot better than people have said for the last bunch of years. But Flint Marco and that actor, Robocop, whatever his name is, fucking kills it. it. Like, other than the stupid retcon of him shooting Uncle Ben, which is dumb, but everything else about him, perfect. Nobody likes that retcon. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bad retcon. But <laughs> like even people that like that movie, like, but that well, that was just dumb. I I heard someone give a good argument for its existence, and they weren't wrong, but it's still dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's entirely possible. It's the it's the dance sequence. It's like, listen, the reasoning may be good, but I still think it's dumb. Yeah, and well, you know what? I'm perfectly fine with that because I have now co- the dance sequence is a lot shorter than I remember it, but I will defend it, even though it's still dumb. Anyway. Moving on, the lizard. I recently was talking with my girlfriend, and I mentioned the lizard, and she looked at me and went, "Huh?" I went, "Yeah, you know, the lizard." And she went, "Dr. Connors? Is that his supervillain name, the lizard?" I went, "Yeah." And she went, "That's stupid." Wait, do people only know him as Doc Connors? I guess I. I don't think they ever call him the lizard in Amazing Spider-Man or in No Way Home. So you're right, they don't. Yeah, but. I was explaining. Cool. I was explaining to her because she was like, "That's a stupid name. Why would he give himself that name?" And I said, "Well, he didn't. That was what the newspapers called him back when he was basically just a crazy rampaging monster." They're all dumb names. That's the joke. I mean, Spider Man, Vulture, <laughs> Rock Ock. Yeah, I mean, honestly, They're like dumb names. I don't know what the there is definitely some difference between a dumb name that's cool and a dumb name that's dumb, but I don't know how to put into words the difference. It's, it so. works because he's cool because he's a lizard man that wears purple pants and a lab coat. Yeah, I I like lizard because okay, the lizard is the first villain in at least this grouping that really feels to me to be starting to get into narrative meat of what Spider Man is as a character like doc ock touches on it the smallest bit by being a scientist who who invents something and then goes crazy but the lizard specifically because he's trying to do something good originally uh he's you know he wants to regenerate his arm and create this ability to for like people who need limbs regenerating to regenerate and then through that act of something that's seemingly good he turns into the lizard goes fucking crazy, and then goes through a number of different plot lines in the... I personally like the Lizard best when he's basically like the Hulk, 
and kind of loses his mind because he's yeah it's dr jekyll mr hyde that's when he works best yeah like don't get me wrong i like smart lizard too when he has crazy labs in the sewers but i i feel like you have to build to that you can't go right there you know he's got a yeah plus he's cool he's a giant lizard man yeah he looks great and the best versions of him he looks a lot like leatherhead from teenage mutant turtles he's got to look kind of like like lizard gator kind of thing. Honestly, yeah. I feel I like, like that... animated nineties depiction. Yeah, like that's my go-to. Honestly, I feel like I would have been happier with the version in the Amazing Spider-Man if they just made his face look more like lizard-like and not just flat person-like. Oh God, that's it's it, it still haunts me. Yeah, like it wouldn't be that hard. Just get just extend his face yeah. a bit, like a werewolf or something. He has, you know? a, he has a snout, not just this like you copy pasted a dude's face on a lizard body. It just no. Yeah, but because of that. We literally have a a scientist who's a good man who, through his own actions, creates a mutation in his own body that then turns him into a villain. He is already, at that point, a reflection of Peter Parker. But the reflection at first was that he was out of his mind entirely, which also makes some good foreshadowing for Man-Spider, but that's... Um, Man-Spider. <laughs> yeah. So I love Man-Spider so much, and it's so dumb. I, I love Man-Spider too, so... <laughs> but other benefit of the Lizard, he gave us one of, in my opinion, one of our most underutilized, underappreciated characters, uh, Komodo. Vaguely remember Komodo. It's blanking on me right now. Help me out. Uh, she shows up in The Initiative, which is an amazing Avengers run, if you haven't read it. Uh, she was Doc Connor's lab assistant who got a hold of, you know, the lizard formula mm -hmm. and was able to perfect it so that she could use it on herself, but it wouldn't be as much. Mm -hmm. And then it's later revealed that she did it because she's a leg amputee victim. Ah. And it goes into a whole power fantasy of, yeah, she's the lizard and she's scaly and she's hard to touch, but she gets to walk and people stare at her because she looks like that, not because it's sympathy or pity. Oh, yeah, she looks kind of like, she looks kind of alien-y, probably. Because yeah, I love Komodo. She's got a really cool storyline. Her boyfriend ends up defecting to Hydra, and there's that whole thing. She's got a really cool story, and she's, you know, just, it's it's how you get Lizard to be a good guy. Hmm. Another without, thing. you know, retroactively trying to make him, yeah. you know, sane. Well, that's why another thing I'll add, while we're generally talking about the quote-unquote prime versions of these characters in this case dr curtis connors one of the best versions of the lizard is actually alternate universe peter parker in oh the, yeah in the spider gwen storyline where peter parker becomes a lizard instead and dies just mm -hmm. just just dies and that's 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 spider gwen or ghost spider as i like to call her i think that's a cooler name uh that's like her uncle ben moment is she couldn't save peter lizard and it's a fucking cool story <laughs> so so lizard's s tier right yeah, I think Lizard's our first S tier, personally. Like we've got nothing to talk about how great he is from, yes, his name is dumb, but he's got cool powers, he's got a cool design, and here are all the cool stories he's in. He almost always has a good personal relationship with Peter. He's a good narrative reflection of Peter. We can do a lot of, like, different things with him, depending on how, how much you want to have him keep his mind, so... And he also was the perfect representation of Spider-Man's villains, of good people that were in science experiments and then became evil. Yeah. While I don't believe he is the best Spider-Man villain, he is definitely the first of this list that makes my top five always. Oh, I, yeah. I love the lizard. I love seeing him. He was. I love his design in the uh, 90s animated 
a cartoon where he always had the lab coat with the ripped arms. Yeah, so because it's a lizard in a lab coat. What the fuck is going on here? Yeah, no, fucking love the lizard. Why does he keep his lab coat on? Yeah. All right. Next we have, and I think this might be one of the first ones where I would. Ass- I, I maybe Ulrich and I will diverge here or diverge here, but that's Electro. Electro sucks. I figured we'd diverge here, so. I'm sorry, that is a dumbass design of a costume. And okay, a lot of my Electro hate comes from The Amazing Spider-Man and Jamie Foxx's weird-ass performance. So, I just finally watched The Amazing Spider-Man 2 last night. I had not seen it, because Amazing Spider-Man 1 made me so angry that I couldn't bear to watch it. Now that I've seen Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think it's better than the first one. It's still a bad movie. Oof, but that's a... Yeah, but mm. I, I think it's better than the first one, though, for a number of particular reasons there is some stuff it feels way chopped up in weird places like i was i was walking away like to work and i was like how come at the end harry says to peter when when peter said spider-man said no you were saying no when there was no sequence in the movie where peter told harry that spider-man said no that feels like there was an entire sequence they got cut out and then they didn't fix this line shit like that's all over that movie i it's a bad movie yeah Mostly my problems with it come down to the hatchet job they did on Harry Osborn. I Dane DeHaan's good in some other stuff, but God, that was so bad. But I actually yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate Jamie Foxx's Electro. I hate aspects of it. I think that the electric eels fixing the gap in his teeth is fucking stupid. I I don't like anything about it, and I'll admit it's a dumb costume that I don't know how you redesign. I love what they did in No Way Home, where his electric, like, when he activates his powers, it creates the electric shape around his yeah, head. Yeah, that's a nice cop-out. Like, that's the closest they got, because they looked at, like, no, there's there's no way to make this even remotely cool. Here's what I like about Electro in his original form. Electro, more than any other Spider-Man villain, is the God Complex, personified. All of Electro's best stories involve him in some way seeking something that he thinks is going to turn him into a god, to the point where it was the entire plotline of the PlayStation 1 Spider-Man t- uh, 2 game. So, And what it let, lends itself to is he has a lot of these great, like, just cheesy dialogues. He's a very campy villain, and I like camp. And so he has these great, real just Shakespearean monologue about how amazing he is and how he's literally, like, the force of nature that all... he's. He's, like, low-key amped up on fucking, like, methamphetamine. <laughs> so. Yeah, but his costume is so stupid, so it's... But I like that in that regard because to him, he's being... It's ostentation. It's like it's like, it's like like a king who makes everything gold and super tacky because to them it's like, well, I have to be loud because I am the king. I am the ruler. I have to set the example. All will look upon me and see my greatness. Like, yeah, yes, you are looking... You're describing doom. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying that you're looking at him and like, all right, you're goofy as fuck, but that's, that works for me because to him he's just being as big and loud as possible. I guess... I mean, his power set is awesome. I do love electricity, controlling electricity. Again, now, really interesting power scaling. To me, here is the downside of Electro, because I like Electro a lot, but he's one note. There's basically no other... If there are good stories with Electro that don't just involve him trying to become a god, I'm not aware of them. They might exist, but I'm just not aware of them. Electro is extremely a, a one-dimensional kind of character... And while I like that dimension, that's what holds him back, in my opinion. Yeah, no, he gets points on the power scale, but loses everything else for me. Yeah, so 
while I'm sure we'll diverge, I, I give him a B because he's super fun. You're being I, too generous, man. <laughs> no, I give him a B because he's super fun. He's He makes usually great presence in whatever he's in. I love that Spider-Man 2 game. And I, I like his crazy design. He's basically setting a comparative example compared to a lot of the other more kind of grounded designs. So. I was willing to come up to a C, maybe, but B, he's not as good as, like, Doc Ock or Vulture. Yeah, I will agree he's not as good as them, so I would say a B-. minus. <laughs> Alright, let's go to one that I think we're going to agree on. We'll have to figure out where he fits. Uh, Mysterio, the dude with the dumbest costume of all, but is fucking cool. I was watching a behind-the-scenes of Far From Home, and they talked about how they had no idea at first how they were going to try to translate that costume into oh, we reality. all heard it when they announced mysterio i'm like how the fuck do you make that look good he's got a big fishbowl on his head and he, yeah and like, in fact when they first purple when they had the designer first make the costume they told him that no one was going to wear it that it was just used for like comparative purposes so that's why he made it like like 80 pounds or something so and then there's jake gyllenhaal being like all right i guess i'm wearing it because jake gyllenhaal's awesome so, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Mysterio, also known as Quentin Beck, oh, by the way, Electro's real name, Maxwell Dillon. So, Mysterio, Quentin Beck, but there's also been a couple other people. The list I have here says uh, Daniel Burkert and Francis Clum, but it's Quentin Beck. It, come on. Quentin Beck's thing, is, and one of the things I love most about him, he ain't a super guy, he, he ain't, he doesn't have any superpowers at all, he's not even, like, super intelligent, he just is really good at special effects. He's a good inventor, yeah. And sometimes, like, I know they've had him, you know, learn magic from Doctor Strange, but then they quickly retcon that because they realize, like, no, it's he's fun because he's just a dude and he's fighting Spider-Man. Yeah, and not just a dude, but because, like, Doc Ock is just a dude with mechanical arms. Mysterio's just a dude with pretend powers. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's literally just a dude. Doc Ock has, has you know, genius-level intellect and giant robo-arms. Mysterio has smoke bombs and mirrors. And because he's all illusions, like with Sandman, almost every time Mysterio shows up, you're going to get some visual candy because they yeah. do fun things with his illusions. So you're always yeah. looking forward to seeing him just for that alone. <laughs> yeah, no, Mysterio. That's He's an S-tier. I, I can't put him in S-tier, personally. I'd put him at A-tier. Again, because I feel like he gets held back by some limitations, narratively speaking. Again, he's an extremely one-note guy. But I love seeing him, and I, I love seeing his powers, and I love that they made the fishbowl work with the whole, like, fog thing in the movie. Because, I had, like you said, I had no idea how they were going to do that. I also love that in the Spider-Man PlayStation 1 game, if you put it in the what-if code, he has a literal goldfish floating around in his head. So, <laughs> nice. Yeah, Quentin Beck is wonderful. Also, in the Spider-Man 2 game that was based on the movie, there's a whole side quest involving Quentin Beck becoming Mysterio, and I will never forget, there's a line where Spider-Man says to him, problems with your laser, Beck? I hear there are pills for that now. And I quote that shit all the time. <laughs> so. Nice. Uh, I don't know. I like Mysterio because you can kind of slide, like they did with uh, Far From Home, you can kind of slide him up or down on the tech scale, but it's still just a dude that's oh. you know, using trick and manipulation to be a super soldier. I mean, one of my favorite things that Far From Home did, which, again, it's not original to Far From Home. This, they've played this before, but I'm so glad they went with that he has a team of people. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, just, I don't know. That that tickles me. So. Well, it makes sense. It's like, hey, you know what? And I bet you they're union labor because he comes from the movie industry. He appreciates union labor. Yeah. 
Now, the next one, I can guarantee you we don't have to talk about very long. Green Goblin. Green Goblin oh. is inarguably the best Spider-Man villain. Sorry. There's there's not an argument against it. He is Spider-Man's Joker. And he's basically he's basically what would happen if you put Joker and Batman into one character. So Yeah, and like we've talked about Green Goblin a lot and we both have different interpretations of Green Goblin. Yeah, that the are fact wildly that, different from each other. Yeah, the fact that my main the same character. Yeah, exactly. The fact that my main point of reference for Green Goblin is primarily like his relationship with Spider-Man and Ulrich seems to be his relationship with the greater Marvel universe, things like Thunderbolts and whatnot, but those both are the same character and what Green Goblin's fucking great, and it's an, this is the easiest S-tier in this entire list because he's the best Spider-Man villain. I would make him super S-tier, but I'm not putting SS on this list. <laughs> Agreed. I would say he gets his own... Uh, here's what I'll say. He gets the special category of Arch Enemy. He is I'll the... I'll give him the G-tier for yeah. Green Goblin. <laughs> he gets, uh, you know what? I like that. He gets G-tier for Green Goblin. He gets his own tier because... Yeah, he... He's off on his own because literally there's nothing we can say about Green Goblin... I mean, yes, he's had some bad things in the comic, but again, Spider-Man has the numbers game. There are so many bad issues of yeah. everybody. And also, and this gets left you know, to a lot of newer fans, but he was the first time ever in comics that a love interest died and stayed dead, just absolutely dead, was Green Goblin killing Gwen Stacy, meaning that he holds a literal, unassailable distinction in the superhero comic book pantheon. <laughs> yeah. No. Again, we're we're not going to waste a lot of time on Green Goblin because we've talked about Green Goblin a lot already. Yeah. Let's so talk next, about one that I love. I love too. A lot of people love Craven the Hunter. Craven the Hunter is the centerpiece of what is considered by many to be possibly the greatest Spider-Man comic ever. I don't agree with that, but Craven's Last Hunt is probably top five easily. <laughs> For the record, Axel's number one is uh, One More Day. Don't you fucking slander me like that. <laughs> <laughs> fucking one more day. There are so many YouTubers who will go into detail about the absolute travesty that is one more day. Go find them. They can explain it better than we can. So I, I also just love, this is a weird intersection point of it ruined everything that, you know, you're coming at it from the Spider-Man ruining, I'm coming at it from all the cool shit they did in Civil War, and it's like, hey, let's fuck up both those stories. Like, you motherfucker, why? <laughs> yeah, one more day is... Fucking horrible. Anyway, but Craven the Hunter. I mentioned earlier, or we talked earlier about the Superior Spider-Man. Craven did essentially the same story, but way better. Yeah. Because, <laughs> not to spoil the whole issue, but in Craven's Last Hunt, Craven, through a series of things, takes on the role of Spider-Man, but his version, where he's like murdering people. Craven's a complicated character. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, Craven, who they did hint at in No Way Home, he was the most obvious shape he was, was he was going to be the original villain before they got everybody else yeah craven is uh he's kind of like black panther in that he's got like connections to a is it african god so if i remember correctly his family gets killed on a safari and he's taken in by a tribe and they teach him their way what i'm reading here is magic jungle potion <laughs> yeah there's magic he's very dated in a lot of ways. And yeah, I don't know how you update him exactly. He is super villain Teddy Roosevelt. His whole thing is that he is no, don't make Teddy. <laughs> You're not wrong, but <laughs> he is he is the world's best big game hunter. He has a magic jungle potion to increase his strength, speed, and tracking skills, 
And he decides at one point that Spider-Man is his new game, is his new greatest game. So he literally comes to hunt Spider-Man, and he's dressed in the because he's he's basically like an old colonial dude, like from the very. That's that's why. See, that's why this, if it actually happens, Sony's standalone movie feels like such a giant misstep. Real name, uh, Sergei Kravenov. Our number two Eastern European. Yeah, Sergei. Craven is a great example of simplicity. Like, I I think Craven is literally the the Spider-Man villain that I want to see probably most. Second most. Second most, but that's for a whole different reason. Like... The idea of, if you made a Spider-Man show on Disney+, Plus, which won't happen because of Sony, but if you did, in my dreamscape, a whole season of Kraven, like, hunting Spider-Man as he tries to deal with, you know, Peter Parker problems, is it's fucking perfect. That's what I want. <laughs> so. I, I really hope he is the next Spider-Man Marvel, Marvel Spider-Man villain. I would have, I, again, Seth, if you're listening, this is my pitch for the film rescue of uh, No Way Home, yeah. is I want Kraven. Craven slots in relatively easy into that movie, and again, there's there's the... one other villain I would want first, but not because of that villain itself, because of the story that comes from it. We'll talk about that literally next on the list. So yeah, the only thing about Craven, and this is could be the easy thing, is he's a very dated bad character, but this might help shake the problem of villains. Of you can make him bad. You don't have to give him any noble motivations or any greater things. You can make him as evil and despicable as you want because he's a white dude that embodies cultural appropriation, yep. colonialism. I was literally about to say, one thing that's great about Craven is I think you could update him to modern satire extremely easily and powerfully. I mean, he's a sport hunter. A racist, misogynistic Russian dude would play incredibly well right now. Yeah, and this is one of the few times where I'm like, you can make him, you can change his ethnic background, and you can make a pretty good uh, satire about some stuff in the real world with this character, so... Yeah, no, Craven, make him an unrepentant villain with a capital V, and yeah, no, make it so you're supposed to hate him. Craven is also, in some ways, kind of like the Daniel Day-Lewis of Spider-Man, he shows up very rarely compared to most Spider-Man villains because he's not interested in robbing banks or anything. He's interested in hunting Spider-Man, so they can't use him frequently. But almost every time he shows up, it's great. Like, it's almost never bad having Craven around. See, the minute you said that I imagined Daniel Day-Lewis as Craven, I'm like, oh, fuck, no, that's uh, opening Pandora's box. <laughs> yeah, but you not get what I... would that be an incredible performance, but the method acting he would go through terrifies yeah. me. But you get what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, no, Daniel Day-Lewis hunting people in New York. <laughs> yeah, so, like, so like I'm, I'm super leaning towards putting him in S-tier just because... Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, like, the only thing that makes me say, like, S-minus is that he's rarely used. But he's always great when he is used. Because he's a fucking silver bullet, man. Yeah. So I, I say I, I call him like S.A. personally. All right. Let's talk about one cool costume, but I don't know enough of his stories really to weigh in past. He's got a cool costume. So the next on this list is Matt Gargan, also known as the Scorpion. Now, he's the character I want to show up next the most for a couple reasons that don't actually have to do with him necessarily. Because... Matt Gargan is kind of, he's kind of like Rhino and Sandman, that he's basically a goon and a henchman, but the specific angle of his goon henchmanness is very specific. His background involves him being 
literally recruited by J. Jonah Jameson, who funds this project to create a better hero, quote-unquote, than Spider-Man, who also could bring in the menace of Spider-Man. And so Jay's like, well, what hunts spiders? Scorpions. So they make this crazy suit. Matt Gargan gets, depending on what version of Matt Gargan you're looking at, gets recruited or volunteers or kidnapped, essentially. And he gets put into the scorpion suit, and it's stuck on him permanently. He can't get it off. And at first he becomes just, well, he hunts Spider-Man, and he's threatening because he's basically in a super sci-fi he's basically like the rhino with some doc ock as well because he's got the prehensile scorpion tail thing yeah but what a lot of what works for him is that j jonah jameson angle especially because then even though he likes the power the fact that he can't get it off he holds that against jameson so he comes after jameson so now you've got spider-man having to literally save jameson from the monster that jameson created to kill spider-man it's good, great narrative shit. And since we yep. already have the actor who played fucking Nacho Varga in Better Call Saul having played Matt Gargan in Homecoming, you've already got a great actor behind it. You've already set him up. We now have J. Jonas St. Jameson as J.K. Simmons in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The storyline of having J. Jonah Jameson creating Scorpion and hunting Spider-Man, that's the one I want most right now. It makes the best yeah. use of the characters that we already have in play. And Matt Gargan spent a shitload of time in the comics as Venom, weirdly enough. So I'm not saying we yeah, should use that, but... Everyone eventually gets combined with the symbiote and Spider-Man. Yeah, but Matt Gargan actually has spent more time as Venom than Eddie Brock. Huh. No, I like Scorpion. He's got a cool power set. He's got a cool costume. Again, I haven't read any of his story, so I can't speak to that. But And again, I think like you could do some really interesting things with that suit in the contemporary MCU absolutely without making it again a stark derivative so like a weird oh, thing God, please don't make it a stark derivative yeah we don't need everything to be stark tech don't do that in fact here's your opportunity for Oscorp step in or actually this would be a great point to have uh, Hammer Industries come back can you oh, not aim, actually but can you totally see J. Jonah Jameson teaming up with Hammer Industries to make the Scorpion yeah that actually makes more sense than aim aim we need to get AIM back in somehow. So here's the fun thing about that. Scorpion, to me, is a solid B villain, but his connection to J. Jonah Jameson and how that informs stories makes him uh, hit upper higher than his class, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, so I want to give him a, like a B plus, that he's a B villain who gets stories that are better than the B would indicate. Fair enough. All right, next is Rhino. I mentioned Rhino earlier. Rhino is the ultimate example of goon. Because <laughs> Rhino I is a... I want to like Rhino. He's just... I don't mean this disparagingly. He's weaker Juggernaut. Literally yes. everything that Juggernaut is, Rhino is just that, but animal-themed and not quite as strong. What's his gimmick? I only know him from the comics as a dude in a Rhino suit. It's not a suit. He actually went through a chemical radiation treatment that changes his skin to be like super hard and colored gray uh well in some versions i guess in some versions it's a suit but usually it's a suit that then becomes bonded to him that like scorpion yeah, he can't yeah. take it off so okay so he's already derivative of like two people on this list yeah he's like scorpion and he's like lizard and, and rhino never than both yeah and rhino never is the the big hitter his, his, no. He is a blunt object that is thrown at Spider-Man to cause Spider-Man problems. And we Sandman already kind of, you know, gets that role. Not to mention, like, as a power set, 
he can't really do anything except can he jump really high? Uh not really. In fact, so, normally his way of dealing of getting Spider-Man down is to tackle whatever thing Spider-Man is on to knock him down. He should be like, like a cap villain. He sucks. Yeah, and almost always, whether it's in games or comics, the way Spider-Man deals with him is tricking him into getting his horn stuck in something. <laughs> yeah, no, D-tier, let's go. Uh, I'm not going to say D-tier, I'm going to say C-tier, only because he is used very frequently as a good, like, henchman character, but he's C-minus, like, he's he's borderline there, so. I don't know, like I said, Rhino, again, I, I, I get mad when I see Rhino, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's you? There well, are so many people it could be. Well, let me put it this way. I didn't realize how much I had any care for Rhino until I watched Amazing Spider-Man 2, and at the end I saw Paul Giamatti's Rhino, and I was pissed. I was like, what the fuck? I'd seen clips, but for some reason seeing it actually in practice, like, what did you do to the Rhino? Why is it Why is it an Iron Man suit? Why? Because it's just they're trying to find a way to make it interesting and it, it, it it's just dumb it made me very angry i was like just have him be fucking the rhino but all right whatever okay yeah. oh uh his name by the way alexi mikolovich sitchdevich i can't pronounce that but add it to the why does spider-man why find a lot of russians so many Ru- slavics okay, it's, new it's new york i get it okay i guess that's fair new york has a lot of all right next is the shocker or herman schultz and herman schultz shocker is basically just I don't know, like a more I specific. I like the shocker. The but I sh- couldn't tell you why. Uh, the shocker is campy, super campy. In fact, I would argue shocker is just lesser electro in a lot of ways. So he's cool. Like, see, maybe it's the thing that I like his costume better. Even though his costume looks like wrong. he's wrapped himself in a carpet. <laughs> yeah, but that makes it so he's resistant to you know getting punched and shit. Yeah, but I'd say that it looks just as dumb. But in his case, he doesn't have the personality to back it up. Yeah, no. And he's almost always depicted like with a Texas accent or some southern twang. And he's an idiot. He is canonically like a super idiot. <laughs> yeah. Like he's and... smart enough to make his suit, which shoots like, you know, shockwaves at people, but he's fundamentally moronic. <laughs> yeah, but he's like he's the if it's he's the fun goon. Like, if it's Rhino, like, oh, fuck. If it's Shocker, like, oh, shit, something's going to go wrong in a funny way. I will say, yeah, he's a little smarter than Rhino. Not much, but he's more fun than Rhino. Okay. And he feels like he's an actual threat to Spider-Man. I still can't give him anything better than C. <laughs> no, he's a solid C. I'm not going to argue about anything else. Okay, okay. He's just a fun, dumb goon. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, let's 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 move on. Oh, by the way, my main thing I think about with Shocker is that he was an excellent boss fight in the Spider-Man 2 video game. I'll give him that. So, oh, he was so... Well, I had it on Game Boy. He was so fucking hard on Game Boy. Yeah. Anyway, next on our list, Kingpin. Kingpin, I'm going to bury the lead here. I think Kingpin's an easy S tier. One of the easiest yeah. S tiers in this list. Because not yeah. only... Kingpin started off as a Spider-Man villain, but Kingpin literally became like... Just a general Marvel villain, the same way like Doctor Doom did. <laughs> well, he slides over perfectly for Daredevil and for oh, uh, Punisher. Wil- Wilson Fisk, just to be complete. So. Yeah, no, he works. He's this great go-between of street level and just above street level. Yeah, absolutely. And so, the fact yeah. that I love the fact that they do this the, because of how he operates too like kingpin is always at his most threatening when he's not even doing anything physically but then the fact that he can beat the red skull in one-on-one combat because he's all muscle 
It's yeah, like, no, he's just a giant fucking bruiser. Yeah, no, Kingpin is always great. He's the fact that he is a perfect like high level villain for multiple Marvel characters, and and they use him effectively in that role. Yeah, Kingpin's perfect. So, yeah. Okay. Moving on, because that's easy. Morbius, the living Morbius. vampire. No, fuck Morbius, man. He is a dumbass, comics code-dodging motherfucker. There is one time, in my opinion, that Morbius became much better than he is, which is in the 1990s Spider-Man, com- or Spider-Man yeah, cartoon. Where yeah, they, this is the animated series, where they made him vaguely interesting and incredibly terrifying. Because they, they couldn't let him bite people, so they gave him suckers on his hands, and he just sucks the plasma out of people, which is somehow way creepier and scarier yeah. than a vampire. No, he's so much worse, but he's still a shit-ass villain and a shit-ass anti-hero, hero, what have you. He also doesn't really belong in Spider-Man's canon. I mean, the again, the cartoon does a better job of justifying it, because there he's more like just a bat creature than a vampire. It just happens to be vampire-like, so it kind of works. But yeah, in his actual... He's just a vampire incarnation. It's like, what are you He's doing a comics here? comics code dodging motherfucker because they couldn't make vampires because the comics code was the MPA of the time. By the way, at this point, we're now in Amazing Spider-Man chapter 101. So, 1971. Huh. Yeah, now it tracks like 1971. No, D-tier. Yeah, I, I'm fully in agreement here. There are some rare times where Morbius has been interesting, but for the vast majority, I don't like him. I don't want him around. So, screw Morbius. All right, this is one I know of, but I couldn't pick out of a lineup. Hammerhead. Hammerhead is uh, all right. How do I put this? He's he's a he's the right hand man, is what he is. Like his... is this that Dick Tracy looking motherfucker? Yeah, actually, he has a lot of Dick Tracy kind of vibe. Okay, I do know who this is. And he's got a big, thick ass forehead, which is why he's called Hammerhead. Yeah, no, this is a Dick Tracy character that somehow snuck into Spider Man. Yeah, and he's. He's fun, but again, his main role, in my opinion, and yes, he's been the primary villain in a number of things. He's actually the primary villain of the three DLCs for the the, the Spider-Man game on PlayStation 4. But most of the time, he feels like his role is to be the right-hand man to whoever is the actual big bad, whether that be Kingpin or Tombstone or, or whatever. So, And he's not that memorable, comparatively. Again, he's Kingpin is literally just a better version of him in every way. So Yeah. So yeah, I think this is another easy D tier. So yeah, no, again, kind of a, just a boring goon. And Sandman, I feel like we established Sandman is the bar for your goons, and you got to be more interested in Sandman. Yeah. Oh, uh, I've got I'm, a big ass forehead. Is... I'm reading here that he replaced most of his skull with an unbendable steel alloy. Dumb, dumb, dumbity dumb. Oh, and his full name is Joseph, and we never learn his last name. <laughs> Ever. Well, given that Spider-Man has a propensity for fighting Russian immigrants, <laughs> apparently. Okay, next on our list is one that I know of, but this is one that I couldn't pick out in the line, which is Jackal. Now, I feel like I should know Jackal, because as Ulrich pointed out to me uh, a while ago, Jackal is, if not the cause, he is at the center of the Clone Saga, which is a really messy Spider-Man arc that is really fun. I I can't, in good conscience, call it good. but No, it's not good, but I've definitely gone back and like, you know... If you quit while you were ahead, this could have been an interesting story. Yeah, I mean, it, it gave us Ben Riley. It's got to have some <laughs> some positive. Scarlet Spider, for crying out loud. But, yeah, yeah, 
Jackal, from what I'm reading here, his real name, Miles Warren, a brilliant professor with the knowledge of cloning that he uses to torment Spider-Man emotionally. And he also has some superhuman strength, speed, and agility, but so does fucking everyone. So, and Jackal's I'm, tricky. I'm looking at a picture of him. He looks like a, a furry green goblin, honestly. Yeah, no, he's got a really weird... There's Jackal is only notable for the Clone Saga. Yeah, I mean, has he been in, like, anything else? No, I think the Clone Saga was so poorly, you know, received, they just kind of shuffled him off. Like, it took forever for Ben Riley to even come back, and that was only because he had a rad 90s dude look. Yeah, I feel like this is an example where I want someone who knows Spider-Man deep cuts way more than me to tell me what the good Jackal stories that people don't know are. I don't think there is. Like I said, I think he's literally Clone Saga and then shuffled off forever. Yeah, maybe. I'm just saying if they exist... This is what I want people to send me, so I mean, I can look it up, because I feel like I should... There's got to be something. But for now, he's an easy D-tier slot, I think. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. No, no argument. Okay. Next, we have Black Cat, also known as Felicia Hardy, who... There's no way to get around this. It's Catwoman. It's Catwoman for Spider-Man. And I love that, because I think the dynamic works much better with Spider-Man than it does with Batman. Is she, but is she a Spider-Man villain? I mean, she... Actually, that's a good question. So she has been a villain. I mean, the fact that she's primarily a thief means that Spider-Man is in conflict with her a lot. But she does work with him a lot. So here's what I'll say. She's not directly antagonistic to him. She can be, but not frequently. So here's what I'll say. As a character, I think she easily slots into S-tier. As a villain specifically, um, maybe like C-tier, because she's not really a villain villain. Does that make sense? I... I'd have trouble, yeah, see, because, but her power's so lame. I, yeah, I, I, I don't really consider them lame. She's, she's basically Daredevil. I mean, as far as technology is concerned, not the. No, that's good, but her, like, her power is she has an aura of bad luck. Hmm, I, I guess. I, I feel like that's, that's a rarity, and it's now, not something. Fair, I like Domino, but. Yeah, but to me, no, what I mean is that I don't feel like Black Cat stories really lean into that very frequently ever. I feel like that's more like a... No, it's a, just a, it's a dumb thing that they wrote in that I think they've kind of subsequently ignored. Yeah, so I don't think about that. To me, Black Cat is just a great acrobat with some good tech who loves being a thief and who loves fucking with Spider-Man and possibly fucking Spider-Man. So. Oh, very much fucking Spider-Man. No interest in Peter Parker, which is a fascinating dynamic. Well, Felicia Hardy, actually, I was explaining to someone recently that Zendaya's performance as Michelle Jones Watson in the, the Home trilogy actually has more in common with Felicia Hardy than it does with Mary Jane Watson. So backdoor pilot? Don't know. I'm just saying that I feel like they were stealing from more from Felicia Hardy than Mary Jane in order to dif- oh. differentiate. So but I just think it's yeah. interesting. That's why I said like to me she fits in an S character because I love her dynamic with Spider Man. I I think she's got a killer design that I, again I like more than most of Catwoman's designs, and I I like seeing her in stories, like seeing her in games. Uh, but yeah, it's hard to call her a villain. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm doing C because again she's just above some of the. She's not dumb as a villain, but she also doesn't really work as a villain. So she's only really getting out of that D, I'd argue, just because, like, well, you are interesting. You're just in the wrong list. Yeah. So I'm going to call her a B just because of that. I'm bringing her down from because I consider her an S character that's a B on this list. That's what I'm going to say. All right. Next is Hydro Man. I... I don't tell you. Hydro Man is the character. I looked at this list before we started talking, and Hydro Man's the character I know the least about on this whole list. His real uh, real name, Morris Bench. I think he's like the water version of Salmon. I only know him 
from the 90s animated series because he took over Jackal's role in their version of the Clone Saga, hmm. which just involved, like, Mary Jane gets sucked into the negative zone, and then she comes back, but it turns out that she was a clone made by Hydro Man, and he wanted her to fall in love with him, but she couldn't help but fall in love with Peter, this and then she reverts already. back to water at the end after, you know, Peter's like, oh my god, Mary Jane, you're back, and all right, here's, here's what I'm going to say. As someone who doesn't know much about Hydra Man, I don't think he's memorable. I think that Sandman does the same stuff power-wise and visually, yeah. but better. I think that he's not interesting because of that. I, Unless you can have a reason not to put him in D-tier, I'm put him in D-tier. Oh, no, there's no argument to put him in D-tier. His best stuff is when they made up a story for him in the animated series. Like, they didn't even take his story. They just copied someone else's. All right, so let's move on to, and this is a tricky one, because a lot of people misunderstand this character, and myself included. I've had a lot of, in my brain, mix-ups. And that's the Hobgoblin, also known as uh, Roderick Kingsley, who's just a dude who discovered one of Green Goblin's layers, because Green Goblin had a bunch of layers around the town, and he, he, inject, he ingests the Green Goblin formula and then uses Goblin shit to become a criminal. I like Hobgoblin's design. Yeah, it's a good design. He changes the color scheme a bit. He's a little more... Uh, it's just a different color. He's basically Green Goblin without the narrative weight. He's more like, yeah. let's take all the Green Goblin cool stuff we like, but for a character that we can have do villain of the week like robberies and stuff. Yeah, he's definitely not on even close to Green Goblin, but he's yeah. kind of cool, and he does have some fun stories, like when he's first introduced and you don't know who he is. Yeah. So and like almost kind of make mistake like, wait is this Harry? It's weird because because he's he is aping the everything of the best Spider-Man villain that inherently elevates him because he's fun to see, but he is also literally a neutered version of the Green Goblin as far as writing is concerned. So yeah. I feel like I have to give him C tier. Just he's a solid C tier. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. On the same boat. Next is Tombstone, Alonzo Lonnie Tombstone Lincoln, who is a shitty kingpin. That's what he is. He's gotten a lot of traction these last few years, kind of I, coming from nowhere to being stand-in for kingpin. I accept that. Uh, I've mentioned before that my favorite Spider-Man cartoon is a spectacular Spider-Man, and for legal reasons, they couldn't use kingpin, so they used Tombstone in place of kingpin. And he's great in that he's voiced by... Oh, was he voiced by Ron Perlman? I want to say it was. Oh, if it's Ron Perlman. Dude, fucking Ron Perlman is Tombstone would be sick. Yeah, I think I think it was Ron Perlman. I could be wrong. But the point is that I've seen Tombstone be used well. But his thing is he's just an albino mob dude. So Oh, I thought he had like tough skin. In later stories. Originally I think he's just an albino. Oh, that just feels weird. Yeah, that's what I mean. And and again, I could be wrong about that. I don't remember uh, looks like his first appearance was Web of Spider-Man number 36. I don't think I read that one, so I don't know his original. I'm just going based off like some stuff I've He's read about one him. that, again, he kind of came in because he started getting pushed because uh, Kingpin got snagged by Daredevil. And like, well, we still want to use Kingpin. Let's make a ping Kingpin alike. That makes he's, a lot of sense. Yeah. He's a C tier. I mean, I don't really I agree. He's, again, kind of like Hobgoblin. It's like, well, you're like Kingpin, but less interesting. Yeah, I agree. This is a C-tier character who has potentials to get higher, but hes I feel like he's just going to be always stuck in the shadow of Kingpin. Unless they do something really interesting with him, but I don't know what that is. All right, uh, next, 
We have, and here's a trick. We spent a whole like episode talking just with this character, Venom. Yeah, I have complicated feelings on Venom. We, yeah, I agree. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna bury my lead. Venom is an A character because when he is done right, kind of like with Doc Ock, he can hit S, but he's done wrong so frequently. Yes. So. No, we're we're '90s babies. We we were there when Venom was incepted. And he was the most dark, sick, twisted, awesome shit that Seth MacFarlane ever hawked up. Todd MacFarlane. Like, Seth MacFarlane's oh, Venom yeah. was a whole other idea. <laughs> wrong, wrong MacFarlane. I get the MacFarlane's mixed up a lot, honestly. Yeah. Anyway. Like I said, original Venom is Eddie Brock, but also Matt Gargan is a very common Venom. So. Uh, was cool, was really interesting, totally, you know, paradigm shifter for Spider-Man. He had all the powers of Spider-Man, but Spider-Man's Spider-Sense couldn't detect him, and he was really cool, and he looked really good. He's Spider-Man as a monster, plus the fact that his original narrative drive with Eddie Brock was so personal. Similar uh, Similar to Kraven... Venom isn't interested in robbing banks or ruling anything. He just wants Spider-Man to be as fucking miserable as possible. And that leads to good stories. <laughs> yeah, and then they run into the problem of they didn't have any stories for Venom. Yeah. And Venom becomes far less interesting, I think, in general, once you separate him from Spider-Man. Uh, Agent Venom withstanding, because that's kind yeah. of its own thing. Um, but he's really hard to do outside of Spider-Man's orbit. So Yeah, so, like we talked about in our Venom episode... The further down Venom you go, the worse it gets. Yeah. So again, I'll still feel confident putting him as an A tier. Killer design, some killer stories, far too misused to get yeah. to S tier. That leads us to the next character, like Venom, Carnage. Carnage is Venom without any narrative complexity because yeah. Carnage is serial killer symbiote, serial killer monster Spider Man. He was made with blood because the 90s. Yeah, I. What's weird is I probably want to rate Carnage way lower than I should, because I want to rate him higher than I should, so it probably balances out. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there are some good Carnage stories. I I love. It's uh, the '90s animated series when he has to work with Venom and he just pisses him off all the time. Yeah, I actually love the idea that in the '90s animated series version of the of the Spider Verse, that the villain is Spider Carnage, a version of Spider Man who is combined with the Carnage symbiote. Fucking good stuff. So, yeah, uh, they end up beating him by the way by pulling an an alive Uncle Ben from another universe who finally convinces that version of Spider Man to ditch the Carnage symbiote. Really touching scene. So. See that's that that could work because there's nowhere to go with Carnage. They yeah. they ran up against this wall with Venom, and Venom had an interesting origin story. Yeah, Carnage. this thing is Carnage is just a killer. I mean, literally, yeah. it's built into his. He is a serial killer with a childish symbiote that just enhances his serial killerness. He just wants to kill things. He's visually, you know, it's even hard for me to say he's visually interesting because most of the time when Carnage shows up, it's hard to tell what he's doing. It's like yeah. it's really messy, and I don't like that. So. He looks good on a poster, but in the panels, no. It's just like, what the fuck? What is happening here? Like honestly, I, think, I like his his offspring, Toxin, way more. Like Toxin is a surprising one. Like, I don't like Toxin, but Toxin kind of bucks the trend of uh, diminishing returns with Venom symbiotes. Agreed. So, like, I personally want to give Carnage a C, and I only even That's give him a yeah, and I only give him a C over a D, even because like I respect that this is like a just a pure killing monster. That, that can serve good narrative purposes, but I just don't like Carnage, so... I like Carnage in much as I have fleeting, you know, affection for Venom, and Carnage came next, but the longer I think about it, I'm like, actually, no, if we could just 
go back to Venom, everything you do, Venom does better. Yeah. Anyway, our last character, and it's good because we're running about an hour and ten minutes now, is Mr. Negative, also known as Martin Lee, a character that I'm betting most people didn't know existed until the Spider-Man video game on PlayStation 4. I feel like he's a recent addition because I've never heard of him. Uh, original appearance, Amazing Spider-Man number 546, which was 2008. Yeah, okay, so this is this is in my comic book reading time, but I've never read a lot of Spider-Man. Yeah, I agree, or I, I will also say that when I was reading Spider-Man comics was before 2008, so I don't think I've ever read a comic with Mr. Negative in it. My only experience with Mr. Negative is like one time showing up in a cartoon and the PlayStation 4 video game. And I'll admit, he's good in that. Like... Mr. Negative's thing is that he's another crime boss like Tombstone, but he's got this whole, like, inversion ability that lets him, like, heal people or mind control people or, like, charge weapons or suck energy from things. So he's got this, like, kind of yin-yang aesthetic that's really cool. And is Did he it... just make Tombstone worse on yeah, our list? Yeah, he's just better Tombstone. <laughs> okay, I'm downgrading Tombstone to a D. Yeah, sure, sure. He's still, no, he's still not as good as Kingpin, but Martin Lee's at least... I, I, I like Mr. Negative. I think he's visually super cool. I like that he brings... I don't even like like Asian aesthetic generally because I spend so much time in the anime community, but him he creates these stories with Spider-Man where like in the PlayStation 4 game, his, his gang is called the Demons, and they all wear like old like demon kabuki masks and shit, and he empowers them with like his negative energy so they can shoot it out like from their hands. Like, he's pretty cool. A lot of potential there. Yeah, like, I, I don't think... want to give him a B tier without having like read any of his stuff. Though. No, I agree. I think he's a solid B tier because he's he's a character that in the few times I've seen him, he's good. I just he hasn't been around very long comparatively, but he's got a lot of potential. Oh, and also, if you haven't played that game, there's a great kind of betrayal thing where when you first meet Martin Lee, he works with Aunt May at a homeless shelter that he opened. So he's got like literally his positive side where he wants to do this good thing for the city helping the homeless. And then his negative side where he just really fucking wants to hurt Wilson Fisk. So. Uh, see, he, again, he just keeps making Tombstone look more redundant. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, that brings us to the, the end of the list. And looking at it, let's see, how many, what are our uh, top guys? We've got Lizard as an S, Mysterio as an AS, Green Goblin special, Craven an S, Kingpin an S. That's it. Those are the, those are the S's. Yeah. So, so that's one, two, three, four, five. Five, like, top tier comic book villains. So, and then, uh, let's see, the, the worst on this list, we got quite a few D's. We got one to i'm not gonna count electro i know you gave him a d but since i count him really high we're, we're gonna we're gonna give him an average that averages seat. out yeah so chameleon's a d rhino is basically a d morbius hammerhead jackal hydraman tombstone or seven d's so and carnage is pushing a d too if we're being honest yeah i in my right mind i can't give carnage a d just because i know how popular he actually is and i'm trying to let my own personal bias against carnage get in the way but yeah Anyway, yeah, there, there's our thoughts on all the major Spider-Man villains. There are many other minor Spider-Man villains, but we only have so long. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even talk about Stiltman. <laughs> oh, oh, fucking Stiltman, okay. <laughs> I am curious now if there's other superheroes we could do this with. Actually, I had a lot of fun doing this. I would love to do yeah. this with... I mean, like, Batman would Batman's be the obvious. Easy. Superman, I think, would be really good because he's actually got a pretty cool yeah. rogues galley. We could, we could talk about this. 
we're gonna have to do some research for you who's got the cool rogues gallery uh, i don't know about cool because i think it'll piss you off but the term rogues gallery comes from the flash so i think we should do the flash at some point the flash just again he has i don't have any nostalgia for the flash so all the stupid names are just stupid <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because I was talking to someone at work today about that, my comic book friend, and I mentioned that you hate the name Reverse Flash, and he was, and he literally responded, yeah, it's a stupid name until you learn about the character and learn what the character is and why it's so fucking perfect. And I was like, that that makes sense. So. Well, I understand. It's, just, it's Again, it's dumb. Like, I was talking with Slagnor, somehow we got on the topic of the Suicide Squad, and just like, why do people like Captain Boomerang? Like, because it's a dude with a boomerang. And he's an and Australian it's guy dude. Courtney's one good role. Yeah. Plus, he's like, is that it? Like, pretty much. He's fun. He's goofy and fun. <laughs> Again, it's it's Jai Courtney being good in something. The other day, com- boomerang. Yeah, and at the end of the day, comics are entertainment. I mean, art has a lot of uses, but it's entertainment. If it, the character's yeah. fun, then fucking it does the job, you know? But it, no, I, I don't know. It's like outside the comics, I don't think anyone likes him. But Jai Courtney playing Captain Boomerang, who was the one good spot in the first Suicide Squad movie, and yeah. actually being a good Jai Courtney character in general, it's like, oh no, it's just like, huh, okay, yeah, no, and he's got a boomerang, what the fuck? Anyway, uh, do you want to eschew suggestions of the week since we're at about an hour 15? Uh, yeah, let's bump these to next week, this ran long. Okay, well, we hope you all enjoyed it. I will take any excuse I can to talk about Spider-Man. I literally told my girlfriend, I was like, I either want you to play the Spider-Man game, or you can watch me play. I don't care. Just some way for you to experience the story. (laughs) (laughs) We've been on a superhero kick, and I'm okay with that. All right, well, thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things. Especially, like, let us know who else we should, you know, do this for. Like, I, I know people are saying, oh, do the X-Men. Oh, do the Avengers. But with, like, the members of the team, like, no. That I, will be, like, 87 parts. I would be fine with X-Men, not Avengers. Like, X-Men's the one, like, team I'd be okay with. <laughs> Dude, there's so many fucking X-Men, though. I know, but I'm just saying that, like, as far as teams go, X-Men's still... Okay, well, Fantastic Four would be a team I'd be okay with. But, okay, no. Fantastic Four we could do. We're getting X-Men's off topic. Big, Avengers. Yeah, anyways, let us know those ones... Because I'm curious. And you can find us on all the various sites. I actually have a list in front of me that says SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and the FiresideAlliance.com. You can also rate us on Spotify, which appeases the internet gods <laughs> if you rate us high. Uh, but, you know, tell us if there's some other platform you want us on. Let us know about it. As always, this has been Large Commander Allwright. And a shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable.